You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. This morning, I want you to know that you really can make a difference for the cause of Christ. You really can. And Jesus makes that perfectly clear in the section of the Sermon on the Mount that we'll study this morning. After laying out those Beatitudes that you just saw in Matthew 1, or Matthew 5, 1 through 12, that for the purpose of helping you live in his kingdom, now he's going to take it to the next level. He's going to use two metaphors that will help you picture how you can take the good news of Christ and tell all those around you about him. And this is really, really important because these are dark days. And you have an opportunity to leave a legacy. And our church has an opportunity to be a factor for decades to come. That's if we are willing to be totally sold out to Christ. And when we are, and when you are, you can leave a stamp on this world. And so let's find out how. If you have your, your phone or tablet or Bible, just go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. Matthew 5, 13. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's fine. Try to bring one to church if you can. You can always follow along on the screen behind me. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. Now remember the setting. The Lord's teaching on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. He's probably sitting down. He's looking up at like theater seating, people above him. And he's teaching this amazing sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, about how to live rightly in the kingdom that he's introducing, his new kingdom. Because it's not the kind of kingdom that these people would have been used to. And so he's telling them how to operate, what values to take on. And if we do this, then we can reach the world for Jesus. Now, I would hope and I would think that each one of us in this room wants to make Jesus known, that we really do want to have an impact. And so we follow Christ's instructions here, and then we can leave a unique and beautiful stamp on the world. So now in 5, 13 through 16, the theme of proper Christian living in Christ's kingdom continues. And again, it's unlike the Pharisaical righteousness that they had been taught So here it comes into sharper focus. Let's begin in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is a really well-known passage. We've, we've probably learned from Sunday school, many of us, about salt and light. But in order to unpack it and really get to what Jesus is talking about, it's good to understand the flow and the context of where he's going here. So let's start with the tie to its preceding verses. And what we see happening here is that the Lord's teaching is becoming more and more personal as he goes along. It's as if he starts with a wide lens 
And as he continues to preach, it's becoming more and more focused on the individual. In the Beatitudes, he had talked in third-person language. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, the group of people. And then in verse 11 of the Beatitudes, he shifts gears and he goes into the second person, which is blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And so he has a very personal end in mind here. He wants all of us to take this to heart. It's not about the person sitting next to you. It's not about that cousin who lives out of state that you can't wait to tell. It's about each one of us. And verses 13 through 16 fit into that motif. And so what amazes me about this particular sermon and the Bible in general is that it was written some 2,000 years ago, but it's unbelievably relevant to today and to this time. And one of the reasons I plan series six months to a year out is because I know that God's going to come along and he's going to match it up somehow in his sovereignty to world events. And he always does. And he did that again this week. Because so much has happened, and a lot of people are reeling. And so it's so important that we take this seriously, because right now, our world needs to hear about peace. It needs to hear about love. It needs to hear about salvation that comes only through Christ, because it's fraught with fear. It's fraught with isolation and anger and division and distrust of everyone, and distrust of everything. And when you just look at what happened this week alone, it's mind-boggling. It's disorienting. It feels as if the floor is moving under our feet. I mean, first you had the, the breach at the Capitol, which was horrifying to watch, and then you have the President of the United States being, being totally dismissed from social media, and talk of removing him from office, and so, none of us have ever seen that happen before. We're living through a pandemic, and it's impossible not to think something is going really south. But here's what we have to remember. We have to remember that God is in control. God is sovereign. There, there is nothing happening that God doesn't see or understand or that he hasn't already planned for. In Psalm 135.6, it talks about how God is sovereign over everything. All his purposes will succeed. It said, nothing happens without his okay on heaven or on earth. So you can rest in that fact. And you don't have to, to sink into that anxiety and fear and that anger that seems to be everywhere right now. Because here's the danger. If we sink into that pit then we won't be able to offer the love of Christ to the world that so desperately needs it. Because we'll be too busy being angry. We'll be too busy arguing our point. And so I want to I encourage you this morning that though humanly speaking, it appears that things are way off, in God's world, things are right on. And also encourage you that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And that awaits us. But that comes with 
this encouragement by Christ to be those who can affect the world around us by being stamps on the world, by, teaching, by, by learning to live by the teaching of Christ's kingdom. And we can't do that unless we're walking tightly with Christ, and that's what he wants us to do here. That's what he's talking about as he moves through this sermon. And so Jesus begins with the first of these two metaphors now, and they're fascinating metaphors. The first one is salt, and so he'll tell us that you can leave a stamp on the world by being like salt. Now, in verse 13, we see him begin to unpack this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, we read that and we go, that's kind of strange. Like, we don't normally take our salt shakers and pour it out and walk on it. So what is Jesus talking about here? In that time, those listening in Galilee, salt would have been used for two major reasons. Number one, as a preservative. Because, of course, they didn't have refrigeration. So they would have needed salt to help their food not to spoil. And then secondly, as a, a, favor, a flavor enhancer, and Jesus' words go to that, but if the salt has lost its taste... But the salt they would have been using, the salt they would have been familiar with, comes from the Dead Sea region. And if you visit Israel, you'll see that it's still being mined today for salt. But the problem with that salt is it's not pure as it comes out of the ground. It's contaminated with minerals. And salt in its pure form will never go bad. But salt that's contaminated will go bad. And then what they would do when the salt began to spoil, they would take it and they would throw it out in the street, which was the garbage dump of the ancient Near East, and what would happen? People would walk by and they would trample on it. Jesus is saying, don't be that kind of salt. Don't be the kind of salt that is no good anymore and and has to be thrown out because you'll simply be trampled and not make a difference. And this would have really rung true to these people that were listening to him because they would have gotten it immediately. They didn't want to be contaminated. They they knew what happened to contaminated salt. It just disappeared under the feet of those who were walking by. And so to leave a stamp on the world, don't be contaminated. (laughs) It sounds like a simple statement, but it's, it's much harder to do. Don't be contaminated by the cultural lies regarding religious tolerance. Don't buy into the nonsense that you can find a relationship with God anyway but through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and gave himself as an atonement for sin on the cross, and only through faith in him can you be saved. And we must stand true to that, especially during times like this. Don't be contaminated by entertainment choices that may be outside of God's purview. And maybe you've convinced yourself, I'm mature enough to handle this. Or, oh, I'm with my spouse, so anything's okay. No, it's not. Because God has commanded us to be pure. God has commanded us to think of things that are wholesome 
and good. Don't be, don't be contaminated by the greed of the culture, the quest for more and more and more. And that will just sink you or be contaminated by this commitment to self that we see in our culture. You know, we look back in the Bible and we see all these people worshiping idols and we say, how foolish. Well, we all have an idol and it's self. And it's so hard to break free from that. But we need to be other-centered. That was one of the key points of Jesus' sermon. And, And I would say this. Don't be contaminated to the point that you're paralyzed by fear. Because there's so much fear right now. Listen, be careful, be wise, you know, walk in wisdom. But that's different than fear. And so if, if we succumb to fear, then we will shrink back. And right when the world needs us most, we will be nowhere to be found. And I don't think that any of us can remember a time, maybe 9-11, where we've had this kind of opportunity to speak into a world that is so desperately in need of hope. People are frustrated, people are angry, and people are losing hope. And so instead of being contaminated, let's be pure. Let's be pure salt. That's what the Beatitudes were for. Let's be humble. Let's grieve over our sin. Let's let's be the kind of people that strive for righteousness and are merciful. Blessed are the merciful, the pure. And, And let's be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Social media is not full of peace. The, the 24-hour news channels aren't full of peace. So where are they going to get peace? People are going to get peace by watching you and me walk with Christ because Jesus is peace. And so these are things that Jesus is pounding home. And this is what, this is what will happen. If, if you're willing to do this, you will get noticed because you will be different. And they will look at you funny which is actually a really good thing. If people are looking at you funny, then you're succeeding because they're intrigued and they don't know what makes you tick. And that's what Jesus wants of us. He wants us to represent him in this way. And so we're out there in this world and we're shining a light for Christ and we're doing it in a way that will help people see Jesus like they've never seen him before. And we can do that by being salt, pure salt that doesn't spoil. And that's his first metaphor. Now the second metaphor is this. Jesus said we can leave a stamp on the world by shining brightly. And so this is another common one we've heard before. You can leave a stamp on the world by being a light. But this is also really culturally important. It also made me think of Ridgewood Church because this is what we've been talking about for the last couple of years. We've been talking about making Jesus known through community impact. The series is called Making Jesus Known by Living Like Him, and our project to restore our building is called Illuminate, so we can illuminate the love of Christ into our city. And that's because Jesus has commanded us to be lights in 
the world. So let's look at verses 14 through 16, and we'll see how Jesus ties this into his culture of the people that are listening to him. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, when you first see this, it appears as if the Lord is mixing metaphors. He's talking about cities, and then he's talking about lamps. But it really isn't mixing metaphors. It's the same idea. First, there's a city set on a hill. Now, those of you who are into camping, those of you who enjoy laying in a tent and fighting off mosquitoes and having the rain come up underneath your sleeping bag, if you enjoy that kind of thing, more power to you, I'll be at the Radisson down the street. But you know what it's like to be outside and it's completely dark. The the moon's not there, the stars aren't there maybe, and it's just so dark you can't see. Well, that's... That, that was a terror in this culture. And they had to walk everywhere they went. And so you'd be walking along, and then all of a sudden you could see a city off in the distance where its light might be shone off the clouds, and you all of a sudden knew where you were going, and you knew there was safety there. City on a hill. And if you want to get really specific, Jerusalem is on a hill. The Bible talks about going up to Jerusalem because the elevation of Jerusalem is... Is higher than other points of that region. And so this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. There's safety there. There's direction there. And then the listeners would have understood verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So a typical lamp of that time would have been very small, and it would have probably looked something like this. This is at least one version of it. And This is the kind of thing you can actually just put in the palm of your hand. And this little wick here just gives off this flicker of light. And so Jesus is saying, how ludicrous would it be if you take that little flicker of light, which is all you have, and you stuck it under a basket and you hid it? And again, night was not the friend of these people. Their homes were not secure. You know, they, they, people could tunnel up underneath of them. They're, they're right with their neighbors, these, these communities that were packed in together. And Jesus is saying, why would you compromise that safety of light by sticking it under a basket? And here's what they would do. Because these lamps were so small, is they would put them on stands in order to amplify them. And so Jesus is saying, I don't have to tell you folks that putting that light away is not going to help you, but when you put it on a stand, it's going to pierce the night. And that's who we are to be. We are to be those that pierce the night. That's what our world needs to see. We need to be salt. We need to be light. But the question is, how do we actually do that? And how, how is Jesus directing us to fulfill this? Well, here's here's what he's talking about in this particular context. He's not talking about preaching, which is good. 
In this context, he's not talking about sharing your faith with your neighbor. That's also very good. What he's talking about in this context is doing good deeds so that people will notice you and they'll notice what you're about and that you follow Jesus, that you'll be different than the norm. And this is how the passage ties in with the Beatitudes. The good deeds, he just covered that. You know, we read these things week to week to week. This is all the same sermon. So it would have fit perfectly in. Here's what I want you to do. Bam, bam, bam. And it's those good deeds that will help you be a light to the world. Now, sometimes as Christians, we don't like talking about good deeds because it makes us a little bit nervous. That's legalism, after all. No. No, we're following Christ. We're living like Christ. And what happens then is we are adopting the values of Christ's kingdom, which leads to kingdom living, which then leads to people coming to know Jesus Christ through our example. And good deeds are a big part of that. We become salt. We preserve righteousness. We become light. We pierce the darkness. And listen, again, this world doesn't see a lot of good deeds. And one thing that we can be is just daily people that walk with Christ, not grandiose, not making a name for ourselves, but simply obedient children of God. And when we do something to help others, it gets noticed. We can put somebody else in front of us when there's a promotion or when there's something happening where you really want something. No, no, you, you take that first. We can offer to lean into someone's life and say, how are you really doing? And that question is fraught with all kinds of danger because that means we're going to have to spend time. And that might get messy. But it means a lot to people when you do that. I don't know about you, but I've never had a person ever say, I don't want to be prayed for. And so just simply turning to someone and say, I see you're struggling. Can, can, I, can I just pray for you right now? People see this kind of thing and they're, they're struck by it. And there's something, there's something weird about that person. And that's wonderful when they say that. Because that means they're noticing that we don't blend in with the culture. And so all of these things that we can do, you know, watching our language, no coarse joking, just simple kindness will be like one of those lamps shining in the darkness and lead people toward Christ. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. And if we do this, if we do this, we can leave a stamp on the world that can last for a long time. You know, if, you, if you've ever tried to take a stamp off an envelope that comes to your house, you, can't, you really can't. You can't scrape that off. And so these stamps have an impact and they stay there. And then what happens is people get saved. And so here's the opportunity that's before us. It's the stamp you leave will include those saved through faith in Christ. So not only do you have a chance to make their lives quote unquote better or minister to them, but you can actually help them come into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. What a privilege. What an honor that is. But Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to do it. Now, listen, we're so 
entrapped in this celebrity culture that we live in, whether it's at church, these celebrity pastors, or, you know, if you're watching all those Fox shows like Mass Dancer and Mass Mass Singer and Mass Garbage Collector and Mass Everything, you know, it's all it's all these same celebrities. I don't know how they you know, how they do it. They must tape all these shows in advance or something, but we forget that God uses people like us. Ordinary people. And, and, and that's the point. These people that are listening to Jesus aren't superstars. They're ordinary people that Jesus is he's sending out into the world. If you go back to the 16th century, there was a Puritan revival because these people thought it necessary to live by Scripture. And God lit a match. And this famous author, John Knox, said, God did so multiply our number that it appeared as if men were raining from the clouds. Don't you yearn for that? I just heard a pastor talking the other day. This is a a pastor of a large church, but he he said, you know what? We're not not backing off during this pandemic. Right now, we've got our people out there, and we're getting about 80 people coming to know Christ every day. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And the people that are out there are just people like you and me. That see, that see an opportunity. Then came along the, the great awakening, and God sent more ordinary people, and people rose up from, from the, the ground like Finney and Spurgeon and Moody, and these weren't perfect people. You know, you know Moody would walk around with a cigar. He was kind of rough around the edges. You know, evangelizing through a cigar. You got to kind of like that a little bit. I'm not sure... And then you've got Spurgeon, who was always depressed, struggled so much with that. And then a little bit later came Elizabeth Elliot, who was just an ordinary woman, who saw her husband murdered on the mission field. And all of these ordinary people were being used by God to bring people to Christ. And then there was this little group of people who in 1863 settled in the Groveland area of Minnetonka with a dream that they could reach their community for Christ. And through their legacy and their perseverance, that group is now Ridgewood Church. And so we have an opportunity to to look at those who have come before us and to pick up where they left off and see, I, I can't even imagine the fruit of all of those years of being faithful to the gospel, what that might have wrought. I mean, God must have used these people in amazing ways and all that came after. Well, guess what? Now it's our turn. And so we need to be like that group of people. God uses ordinary people. You know, we are taken by celebrity. God, not so much. So, I've talked about the past. The question then becomes, can this happen now? Can can there ever be another great awakening? Can can there be a Puritan revival? Can there be another Jesus movement where people just start coming to know Christ in droves? Well, of course there can. Of course there can. But what we need to do is we need to pray, and we need to align ourselves with the value of Christ's kingdom. And yesterday I had a chance to spend... Uh, a, a retreat with our board, and you're fortunate to have our board because they care about our church. They care about our church doing ministry that's going to reach people. 
and we need some professional development, and we want to take this church to a place where we can unleash you and equip you to do the ministry so you can have the blessing of that. And we want to put away the foolish things of the world, and we want to focus on the gospel with the belief and with the trust that God can do anything. And I often have to check my own heart. Do I really believe that God can do anything? Or do I sort of take my prayers down to a level where I can, well, I can see that happening. I don't want to be disappointed. We believers, when we live out the Beatitudes, humility, purity, other-centeredness, when, when we become salt and light, we are attractive to the world. They want to know what we're all about, and they come to know Christ. And so then this behavior brings about the end game. And here's the end game. When you leave a stamp on the world, God will be glorified. And that's what Jesus is getting to here. He makes that clear in the second half of verse 16. Look there with me. This is the why of this passage. This is why we do all of this at the end of the day, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we direct people to God who gets the glory because he is the best thing. He is a God who saves. He is a God who loves. He is a God who protects. And so our actions lead people to him. This is such a a wonderful statement, the Heidelberg Shorter Catechism, A.D. 1648. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's, that is a theologically true statement. And if we start to think it's about us, then we get in a lot of trouble. And listen, we, we are sons and daughters of God, and we can literally leave a stamp on this world with God's picture on it, if we simply walk in the values of Christ's kingdom that are laid out in the first section of this sermon. And here's the thing. The, things may continue to be a rough ride. I mean, there's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be better than 2020. It hasn't really started out that well. But I can guarantee you one thing. Is that God will never abandon the local church. Because God loves the local church. Because God has equipped the local church to be his tool to bring the gospel to this generation until Jesus comes again. And that local church is you and it's me. And he will never abandon us. So even when things start to get really bad, we can know that God will always be there and will never forsake us. And so we can walk out in courage and we can be these kind of Christians. And so here's the last point I want to make. Here's, here's the bottom line. I can leave my stamp by pursuing, pursuing a life of kingdom living. And I, I like that term kingdom living because it helps me remember that I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And it, that's the kingdom I want to live in. That's the kingdom I want to adopt the values of. And when I do that, amazing things can happen. So become acquainted with Matthew 5, 1 through 16. Pursue the life that Jesus sets forth there. Stop desiring to blend in. It's time to be different. It's time to leave your mark. 
And you can make a huge difference for Christ by simply walking with Jesus and be a Christian who sold out. And you can leave a huge stamp on the world. Why don't you stand? I'd love to pray for you, that God would help you in this and help us, and that we could go out from here and be changed and really think about what Jesus is saying here. God, I just thank you for this this beautiful flock that you've brought together at Ridgewood Church for this time. It's by no mistake that you've gathered us during this upheaval, and you've called us to a mission. But God, I also know in this group there is there is fear, there is sorrow, there is anxiety. There are things happening in marriages, in health. And God, I pray that you would just comfort hearts and bring peace and help us to remember, God, who is sovereign over everything and help us to remember that not only have you said that you're sovereign, but you've said you are living in us not just beside us, but in us, so that we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the values of your kingdom. So please help us to do that, God, and will you please bring great fruit from it in each life represented here. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.